We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jason, that was really bad. It was. It was hey, it was good for a quarter. It was fun for a little bit. It was really bad, and we have to try something right now. I don't know if this is going to work, but there's one thing popping into my mind right now. It's uh, crank it up. If you don't sing that part when you hear this song, are you even balls? What's the matter? Probably not the one more time. So that YouTube video just allowed me to watch several highlights of Bill Wennington dunking, which is far more enjoyable than anything we saw in the Bulls. Season opener tonight, of course, Bulls lose in Philadelphia, 127-108. to They start the year with a big 0-1 next to their record. Not really a surprise given that Chris Dunn missed this game. Denzel Valentine missed this game. Larry Markin, of course, out as well. So uh, I would say that was that was brutal, Jason. That was really, really bad. It, it was bad. But like you said, not that surprising. The fact that they gave us like one qu- – quarter of legitimately fun maybe even two we could say one and a half quarters of fun basketball like i guess i'll take it because yeah obviously they lose by whatever 19 points yeah 19 points really bad the defense they played pretty much all night was they scored they scored 41 points in the fourth quarter or in the first quarter and they only led by three after that's just like how ridiculous the whole first quarter was and then just after that the offense came back to earth and they were just completely outclassed by a Sixers team that is obviously much better than they are. Their home opener coming off a big, lo- a ugly loss against the Celtics. You knew the Cel- the Sixers were going to come out, come out firing today. And the Bulls, they they matched the energy to start, and it was really fun to start. But then, and then it all just went to shit, which not surprising. But still, the defense was was real ugly. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna name drop here. I was talking with Dan Katz, who's Barstool Big Cat, really nice guy. We're kind of friends. And what I what we were talking about was like the Bulls are obviously going to be bad this year, but maybe they'll be fun bad. And I think that that first quarter, yeah. 
Hey, that was fun bad. And in a year where I have no expectations, I'll take that. What did the Bulls make? 13 consecutive shots in that first quarter. You're seeing stats like Bulls shooting 75% from the field. Sixers shooting 79% from the field. I mean, that was just outrageous. Yeah, Levine, Portis was ripping. Zach Levine. Levine and Bobby Portis had 28 points on 11 of 12 shooting in that first quarter. Yeah, wild. And uh, yeah, like I said, 41 points. That was... Highest scoring first quarter of the season in franchise history, courtesy of Jeff Mangurton, great stats guy for the Bulls. And they fell th- like three points short of the best first quarter scoring like ever in NBA history. So that first quarter was wild. And then it was just complete disaster after that. Yeah, I was totally on board for like Fred Hoiberg is a genius. Like I'm liking everything Hoiberg is doing right now. Starting Carter, benching. Parker not guarding Markel Fultz at all, which I really thought allowed the Bulls to stay competitive in that first quarter. Uh, I was ready to go all in on the Hoiberg bandwagon, and then Jesus Christ, it all just falls apart after that forty-one point sec first let's, quarter. Let's, the Bulls. Let's take, a, up. let's take a sidebar here. You mentioned Markel Fultz. That was just an, a whole, a very interesting, just whole like vibe with him. Every time he touched the ball with. Any room to shoot, like their their crowd was just like egging him on. Like I that I feel like it's a brutal situation for the kid. Like the one of his first touches, wide open in the corner, like nobody within 15 feet of him. Didn't even like look at the basket. He finally hit a three later in the game. That was one of the weirdest. That like I that whole situation is bizarre. Like I'm rooting for Marco Fultz, but holy shit, that is just weird. <laughs> I was definitely going to talk about that later. Ambitious early sidebar, but I like it because yeah, I, I had to do you. You, you yeah, mentioned his name like the whole fourth quarter was like Marco Fultz, like tr- trying to do stuff. So might as well bring him up early. Yeah, it's fucking sad, man. I mean, we can maybe go into that a little later, uh, but th- that is really a sad situation. I will say. Uh, I drafted two separate tweets tonight. The first one said campaign is better than Markel Fultz. That's and the false. second one said Ryan Archie Diacono is better than Markel Fultz. <laughs> and I was on the brink of sending the second one, but I didn't know if people would take it as earnest or sarcastic. I was being sarcastic. Or was I? Because Did, did, did you see Ryan Ar- Archie Diacono's line tonight? Eight, eight, and four. Two for three from three. I mean, facts only here. I should have tweeted it, bro. Yeah, I should have yeah. tweeted it. Uh, yeah, Archie Diacono, pretty good. We got to say that he's going to be the starting point guard. Yeah, I mean, campaign uh, is. I mean, campaign has been bad for since he came to the bull. He had some moments last year at the end of the year when they were tanking and like the last part of the year. I just there's really no reason to spend much time on campaign let's at all. Let's talk he, about campaign. I would like to want, talk about campaign. To, all right, talk about campaign. Campaign. Like, does he have a single discernible NBA skill? Like, how the fuck was this guy a lottery? He, he has five, he had five assists today, and like his assist rate was decent last year. Like, he somehow gets assists. I don't know how. Like, Let's I went about this though. What is like hypothetically? What does the productive version of campaign even look like? Is he someone who is like an off the dribble scorer? Is he no. someone who's getting a bunch of steals because he has quick hands? Is he no. like a facilitator? Is he someone no. who probes the defense and yes, I guess, him? I guess I have a fucking so, idea, Jason, because he has no skills. Yeah, I guess like facilitator probe the defense is kind of where we're going. I guess like his line today was two minutes, zero points on zero four shooting five assists and one turnover. So that's a, that's a great assist to turnover ratio. 
but he's such just a non-threat to score the ball at all. It's, he's just not an NBA player. Like I feel like we've seen enough. Like it was shocking that they picked up his option for this year, but I feel like because of the trade they made to get him, trading Taj, trading Doug, and a second-round pick. Don't forget the second-round pick to get him, Anthony Morrow, and Joffrey Laverne. Like they, they feel like they like they invested so much in him. They had to give him this chance this year. He's just, he's just not good. He's he's terrible. And Dude, not only is he not an NBA player. How about this for a take? I honestly believe he might be the worst NBA player I've ever seen. I mean, <laughs> at least like a big white guy who couldn't move from like the fifties or something. At least they were probably tall. Cameron Payne's not even. He's he's nothing. He's not big. He's not fast. He's literally nothing. He has no skill. He's bad. I don't, I don't know if I'll go with the worst player I've ever seen, but when he Who's first... Worse? first Name a worse NBA player that you have seen than Cameron Payne. Oh, man. I, we're going to have to like go way back to like those early... Like the Bulls tanking years. Not even tanking. Just the, the post-Jordan... Dolly Bar? Years. Like, At least yeah. Dolly Bar was tall. He had a cool yeah. name. I mean, there was there was some real bad... We talking Dragon Tarlock here? Yeah, probably. I mean, dudes, you could, you could, there's a laundry list of dudes on those 99, 2000, 2001 Bulls teams, which were really, really bad. <laughs> but, man. Uh, Cameron Payne is, he's bad. I wish him well in yeah. life. Like, yeah, we don't, we don't hate anybody here. We're not, we're not hating that. Just we're talking pure basketball ability. Cameron Payne is one of the worst players in the NBA and just, just not good. It's, I believe he's the worst player I've ever seen. And if you're listening to this podcast, please tweet at me, an NBA player worse than Cameron Payne. I feel like this could be a funny bit. And then we can, like, read him off or something on the next episode. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a symptom of – oh, well, I mean, we shouldn't transition yet without mentioning congrats to Chris Dunn on yeah. being a father. I mean, yes, having a baby father, boy. Yeah. That's the good thing. That happened for the Bulls this entire day was Chris Dunn becoming a father. So good for you, Chris Dunn. Yeah. I don't know where this personal matter. And I figured I would, I was hoping it was something good like that. Personal matters. Usually it's either like something bad, like death in the family or somebody having a kid and he's having a kid. So good for Chris Dunn. Better than dying. That's for sure. Congrats. Uh, Dude, this game is trash. So after the Bulls go 41 points in the first quarter, Hilarious. They go 17 points in the second quarter, 18 points in the third quarter. 35 outscored. And then they dropped 32 in the fourth. They almost had a historically good backdoor cover. Oh, which... I was waiting for it. I was talking to a buddy, Chris, the one who wanted to beat your ass about Illinois basketball. I, we predicted before this sidebar game. that story. Yeah, we predicted before this game that the Bulls would be down at least 20 going into the fourth, and then they'd backdoor cover. And it looked like, for a second there... Like Jabari hit a three, Arch Diakono hit a couple threes, and it got down to like 14, 15, like midway through the fourth. And I was like, this backdoor cover is coming. The Sixers ended up holding them off. Good for them. But I, I thought that backdoor cover was coming the entire time. Uh, I mean, we could just go anywhere with this discussion because there were not a lot of positives in this. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's start with the positive. Well, let's go with the positive. We've been very negative so far because obviously they got their ass beat. Zach Levine looked awesome to start the game, and he had a nice line overall. He had 30 points on 11 of 19 shooting, two, only two of seven from three. He kind of cooled off from there, but he's really aggressive overall. Some really nice drives. He had some really nice finishes over Joel Embiid, especially in the first quarter. Nice finish with the left. It was really nice. Uh, and Again, Jeff Mangurton, Bull stats guy, said that this was the 10th 
Bulls' 10th time a Bulls guy, a scorer, has had 30 points in a season opener. And the last one was Carlos Boozer in 2013. Hold that. Give me that 30 points. Zach yeah, Levine. Hold that. One of the only positives of this game. He, it, that's carrying over from a really nice preseason for him. He looks athletically and just the explosiveness and all that. He looks all the way back. So that's at least really nice to see out of him. Yeah, he, he, I think he's poised for a big year offensively. People are probably shocked to hear us heaping all this praise on Zach Levine. But, uh, yeah, because just like the general conversation around Levine – since he signed the contract and really since like he debuted for the Bulls besides for that one awesome game against the Wolves has just been so overwhelmingly negative uh it was great to see for Zach Levine I think he's gonna be poised for a really good offensive year he's just so fucking talented offensively you know like raw talent is there he's so fast his first step is so explosive he's a good ball handler he can hit shots off the dribble with range I mean, he really has it all. The one thing he lacks is just sort of like seeing the floor. He does his tunnel vision a little bit. Still for the game isn't the best. Like again, this is a problem in preseason two. His preseason assist turnover ratio was like seven assists to seventeen turnovers. He had five more turnovers tonight to only three assists. So that that the playmaking aspect is a bit of a problem. They tried him at, when he first started his career. I know the Timberwolves tried him as a point guard, and especially with Dunn out today. I, I feel like they wanted him to be more of a primary ball handler. And while he scores well, in terms of setting up teammates, he's not that great. But he's, he's a really good scorer. So, like, I mean, baby steps for him is, like you said, he really struggled last year. So the fact that he is looking like a really dynamic scorer, that's awesome. There was an article uh, on The Athletic. Darnell Mayberry wrote a really nice piece on him today. Just all the work he did in the offseason. He, he gained a lot of weight. or He put weight on after he tore his ACL, and he knew he had to get back down to get his athleticism back. And the story was just all about all the work he did in the offseason in terms of getting his weight back down and just getting getting all of that back and back to the player that, it, that he should be. So if you should check that article out on The Athletic. And he looked really good today So with the scoring. So hopefully that, that's going to be a thing all year. Like I said, it was one of the few thing, good things from tonight's game. Yeah, you know what I was thinking watching that game? Uh, the Sixers could really use Zach Levine. And maybe that's why the yep. Bulls had to match that contract because – uh, especially in the league these days, it's like two guards who can shoot and who are athletic just come at such a premium. I still don't think Levine's going to live up to that, you know, $20 million a year deal, or it's just going to be difficult for him to do that, especially in the eyes of the advanced stats, given that he doesn't really fill box scores, but he can definitely score efficiently. And he has a skill set that like the league demands today. If Zach Levine was on the Sixers, the Sixers would be a lot better. I, yeah, I feel like when going into this off season, when I was looking at teams like who could possibly maybe make a run at Levine and ended up being the Kings, I kind of thought a Sixers could be a dark horse team for Levine after they struck out on the stars that they wanted to go after. That I thought maybe they, I think they signed some other role players first at once. I can't remember how that all worked out, but I, I thought that maybe they could be a, a, a possible suitor for him. It didn't work out the way, but he definitely would. Have, I mean, we talked about Fultz before, like, I, and they, obviously they don't want to give up on Fultz yet, but like Levine in Fultz's spot would be super awesome for them. But I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm like a lot of people criticize the Levine contract matching that, whatever. I'm cool with Zach Levine at the contract he got, even if he is just like a 20, 25 point score per game and does nothing else. I'm whatever. I'm fine with that. You need guys to get buckets in the NBA. He, he'll get buckets. The Bulls just need to fill out the rest of the roster around him and hopefully they can do it. Yeah, I think that was all very well said. Levine 
encouraging debut for sure. Keep at it, Levine. Uh, they're going to need him to score, too. Yeah. because especially without Lowry. Especially without Lowry. I mean, that Bulls half-court offense looked really bad. Even if you want to go back to that first quarter, they were forcing transition opportunities even on makes. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. were just – it was quick strike, quick Those strike, kick, quick strike. You yeah. couldn't even catch your breath. Like – that was pure seven that's seconds how, or that's less. That's how they're going to play. They're going to play fast. They're going to play fast. And was their half court? We talked about this, I think, in our, last, in our first pod. The half court offense is not going to be any good. Like they're going to have to run and they're going to have to, they're going to have to chuck. And sometimes when they're making those jumpers, like they did in the first quarter, it's going to look great. Other times, like the, the second and third quarters, it's not going to look so good. Totally agree. If we want to talk about another positive in this game, I thought Bobby Portis. Yeah was good. Uh, he's primed for a big offensive year as well this year, I really believe. We already lauded Fred Hoiberg for his decision to insert Portis in the lineup over Jabari Parker in the preseason. Uh, there's just no doubt Portis is a better player, and really their strengths and weaknesses are kind of similar. I mean, Parker's obviously the better ball handler, more of a perimeter guy, uh, but Portis is just the better player if, if we're talking about two guys who are starting at the four. Yeah. He put up a solid line tonight, 20 points, 8 of 15 shooting, 11 rebounds, Runs the floor hard. I still don't know if he's really a winning player because he never passes the ball. I'm actually shocked to see he yeah, had two, two assists. assists. I don't remember those assists. I don't remember either. Because in that first quarter, he hit like all five or six of his shots. Pretty sure he had like no other stats. I, t- I tweeted this out. He had like 13 points in the first quarter, zero other stats besides like one foul. <laughs> Can you find total passes? Is that a stat now that everything's I, a stat in basketball? I think I think NBA.com does have those stats. I don't know if they, they've updated those yet, because it usually takes a little while after the game ends to upload those tracking stats, but that definitely is something you can't find. Here's a prop bet for you. Bobby Portis, more total shots or total passes <laughs> on the year. The dude shoots the ball immediately as soon as it touches his fucking hands. It's hey, beautiful to watch because this guy's playing for a passes. contract, and he's going to get his buckets, all right? And I applaud him for it. It's honestly beautiful to watch. This is how I play pickup basketball. I'm not a winning player, but I'm not passing it. I'm just shooting it as soon as I get it. Bobby Portis, I salute you. Uh, you're insane, but you're likable. I think everything changed up for Bobby Portis when he started tweeting about how Noah's a Chicago legend. Did you see those tweets? I, I, did, I absolutely did. And, and did you see the shirts that he's selling too? The absolutely crazy hilarious. The crazy eye or some. I can't remember what they exactly say, but. They're kind of amazing. I don't know if I'd ever actually buy one myself or wear one in public, but I I dig it. I I, I applaud the effort. Yeah, uh, Portis was was impressive, and I think that you know when he does eventually return to the bench with uh, Markinen's return from injury, he's going to be even better in a bench role because second units will not know what to do with him. Now, now you know the whole. The question of the whole year is like, what do the Bulls do with Bobby Portis? It seems like is an asset. He's reaching his peak value right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the Bulls are going to have to pay him. I mean, are they going to have to pay him fourteen million a year to be the third big? Yeah, I don't know. Especially for a team that already has very little hope, and they have Levine locked into a long term deal. Uh, It doesn't seem smart to give that money much money to. Someone who's ultimately going to be a bench that's player, a but fan, yeah. I like Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis is good, so that's a positive. That's uh, I, like, I have not been a fan of Portis like until like now. Like I'm, he's kind of grown on me. Like I've, totally, I, he was not totally that good his first couple of years. Even last year, he just kind of annoyed me because I feel like 
it almost felt like he was a garbage time bucket getter. He's like, but he was a bum slayer. He ruined tank games. But he, he's pretty. He's pretty good. I'm gonna give it to him. He's a pretty solid, good, at least good six man. He's probably not a good. Star- he's probably not a good starter on a good team. But at worst, he's a really good six man and at least a decent starter on a bad team, which is probably is basically what the, probably the Bulls are right now. So I, I am coming around on Bobby Portis for sure. Yeah, totally agree with you. I really held the incident with Miritich against him last year. There yes, were yeah, that people, is well, that, that for sure. There were people who took his side in that, uh, which I thought was kind of crazy. Obviously, this comes with a major caveat of we don't know what Miritich said to him. Uh, it only could have been like a couple things though that would have really necessitated getting his face punched. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Uh, most things you probably don't punch a guy in the face for saying. So, I mean, we'll never know that, but uh, I do think that that was part of the reason that I was not super high on Portis last year. I thought that he was someone who kind of confused, uh, what was the old John Wooden quote? It's like confuses effort for productivity or something along those lines. Like Basically, he looked like he was working hard, but he wasn't actually working smart. Uh, this year it's different because I just think he feels a little more comfortable. He's he's better in the post, I would say. He's running the floor super hard. He looks like he's going to be someone who can shoot above what thirty six, thirty seven, thirty eight percent from yeah, three. I mean, so. if he shoots like he shot thirty six percent from three last year, I mean, if he's around there or high thirties, that's terrific for a stretch big man. That's awesome. Yeah. Any, anything else you liked in this game? I mean, Archie Diakono was pretty good. He was he was fine. Uh, Blakeney came in and shot a lot. He had a little spark. Blakeney was actually somehow a, not that plus minus always means anything, but Blakeney was somehow a plus six, 15 points, plus six in 30 minutes. I guess fine, not bad. Uh, besides that, there was not a whole lot else to like. I guess if we're going to talk about Portis, obviously Portis, we might as well transition into Jabari. And oh boy, Jabari was bad. Oh he was really his line. His line actually turned out okay. He was points, garbage time. Fifteen points, seven of sixteen from the field. Gar- some garbage time buckets. He had like five, like uncontested dunks. Nobody with that. Some of those were were off. Nice. He had a few nice cuts to get those dunks. And there was one nice out of timeout play that Hoiberg ran it when the Bulls were down by like twenty. Yeah, that was great. Great. Where play. Parker, where Parker got a nice dunk out of it, but. His 7 of 16, 15 points shooting is not indicative. He was awful. His first stint played like four minutes. I think he jacked up like two awful mid-range shots. I think Hoiberg pulled him after four minutes because he was so bad. And like throughout the game, he was he was not good. And I, I, I we talked about this on the first podcast. Like we want Jabari. We we want Jabari to be good. Chicago guy. He's a great guy. He does so much for the community. But just like as a player, it's just it just does not look like it's there. He's he's slow. He takes bad shots. The defensive effort is terrible. Like, and it was it was all out there today. He was he was really bad, despite the decent looking line. Totally agree. I mean, he's someone who immediately gives up as soon as something doesn't go his way. Like, if he doesn't get a foul call that he thinks he should get, if he misses a shot that he thinks he should make. He's just not running to get back on defense whatsoever. I mean, it's totally insane. It's like he was wired from a young age to play the game a certain way and has not been able 
to you know rewire those circuits as the game really changed as soon as he got into the league and I mean, it's just, it's sad. It's insane. Jabari Parker was drafted ahead of Joel Embiid. Yeah, you t- I think I saw you tweet that, which is, see, Embiid had his, had his health problems, but, like, now Embiid is, like, a top 15 player, and Jabari's hanging on as, like, a okay bench dude. And, and he's had the, and he's obviously had injuries as, too, as well, but, just, oh, man, it was tough. Jabari's going like, to be out of the fucking league before he's 30. I feel like, yeah, I feel like fans have, in my mentions, have, are turning on him hard. They're already... Like, why did the, we, the Bulls give him this money? And, like, I mean, it, and it's understandable, the it's question. Again, again we, talked, we talked about it on this first podcast. Like, they signed Jabari because he's a talented high draft pick from Chicago. If he was a talented high draft pick from, whatever, Wyoming, like, they probably don't sign him. Like, they, they're taking a chance on a Chicago dude to try to find it in his hometown. And, like, and, I, and I hope he does. Like, this first game... I'm not gonna. I don't want to totally judge the guy in his first game, but he's he's got a body of work now in Milwaukee and now in this first game and the preseason with the Bulls, where it's just it's very problematic in terms of shot selection, in terms of defensive effort, in terms of awareness, basketball IQ. It is just not a good package right now. The reality of the situation with Jabari Parker is that he's fat and he sucks. Like he, you can't that's, even that's put him on the court. Succinct and harshly than I, than I would. <laughs> yeah, right now, right now, that is that is true. Like we, hopefully, he figures it out. Like I'm gonna try to hold on to the, the fact that he'll turn things around. That I don't want to give up on the guy after preseason and one regular season game. But again, yeah, it's been a track record. Like it, Bucks bloggers, I, the Bucks people that I follow are thrilled that he's gone. And we saw that the Bucks yesterday. I know they barely won, but like their whole offense. Also, it's because of buttonholes, but like they don't miss Jabari at all in terms of offensively. Yeah. Like, Are you kidding they, me? and Jabari's thing is is scoring. But the Bucks, the Bucks lose him. They basically have this. They add Brook Lopez. They got Dante Divincenzo, and they lose Jabari. And now they they look like one of the possible a possible up and coming team with their incredible offense. And Jabari looked terrible. Has looked terrible with the Bulls. So like. I don't know. Like it's 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 tough right now to watch him, and I just I just I hope he bring he turns around because obviously you want a Chicago guy to do well, you want the Bulls to do well, but it's it's not pretty so far. What's cra- what's crazy is like he like legitimately does not know how to play the modern game. Like I think he could be potentially playable at least if he was smarter on the basketball court. Like he even his offense, which is supposed to be the foundation of his game. He just doesn't take good shots ever. He like over dribbles the shit out of the ball. He's constantly taking long twos. He's hesitant to take a three. Uh, He doesn't see the floor at all in terms of hitting open teammates. The one thing I do like him on is kind of running the baseline like Ronnie Brewer used to do. That's how he got like five. He had five dunks today. So and like three or four of them were basically just him. Cut, cutting, running baseline like that, which was nice. Like, that's good. That's what you should do. That's That was literally, like, the one good thing of his game today. He just doesn't have a high feel for the game, and it's sad because, uh, I mean, we, we all saw the talent. We all know about the talent there from an early age. But, man, the game changed, like, the second he got into the league. You know what I mean? Like, the game Jabari Parker grew up watching when he was at Simeon winning four state titles in a row – that NBA is not the same NBA he plays in right now. And there have been some guys who are casualties of it. Him and Jaleel Okafor are probably the two biggest yeah. both Chicago guys. I mean, there was a time when Jabari, Jaleel, and Cliff Alexander were three. Oh, Cliff. 
you you want a you want a hot take? I actually think Cliff is the best suited for the modern game. If he got a chance with an NBA team, he would have a longer career than Jabari or Jaleel. Give me Cliff on the long shot bet for the most oh, career man. NBA games. Like, Even if he gets in the league when he's like 26 or 27 or something, he could be a small ball five. Who what, would at least what's, rim run. What's he doing right, right now? Do you know? He signed an overseas contract. He was in the G League last year. Uh, Cliff forever. Hero. Love Cliff. I, I remember before that draft that he was in, like he was like, the, at the beginning of the year, he was like top three projected pick in mock drafts, and then it just just went to went to shit for him. That was, I guess, that was his karma for for. Uh, oh for shut up! That Dude, Illinois had it's about Illinois. <laughs> Illinois sports can fuck off. <laughs> Who cares? I thought that was cool. I liked Cliff more when he did that. Oh, eat shit! This podcast is going off the rails. You know the Bulls game was really bad when we're talking about Cliff Alexander. All right, if we're, all right if we're, let's talk about if we're going to talk about whatever highly projected big men. We could talk a little about Wendell Carter Jr. And yeah. I know you love Wendell Wendell Carter Jr. Not a super great game, but he had a tough time against possible matchup. Yeah. One of the big best big men in the league, Joel Embiid, absolutely took him to school, which fine, totally fine. Like totally fine. Joel Embiid's gonna do that to you. Like Carter, he got into foul trouble early. He he had, he missed some shots around the bus. He missed some bunny bunnies around the basket, and he's kind of never really gotten into any kind of rhythm. And it it happens. Like I, if anyone like is worried about Wendell Carter Jr. after getting torched by Joel Embiid, don't don't worry about it. It's fine. He's nine. He's still nineteen, right? He turns twenty in April. Yeah. He's gonna be nineteen the whole full, season. He's got a full season at nineteen years old. Don't worry about him getting worked over by Joel Embiid. But Joel Embiid worked him. <laughs> he he torched. He torched him. It was bad. It was bad. It was he bad. Got you know the thing that, uh, like, because the game is downsized so much, I don't view Carter as being short for a center, small for a center. No, yeah, I mean, he's got a seven four, seven five wingspans. Like, the, I feel like wingspans almost more important at this point. Right. Like, Yes, but Embiid, he looks like a damn midget next to Embiid. Yeah. Embiid is a freaking he's a, monster. He's a, he's a freak. Just a complete freak. Complete freak. I mean, Embiid's the truth. I love Embiid. He's a yeah. bright light in this dark world. <laughs> uh, and I feel bad for him that Markel Fultz has a case of Chuck Knobloch's yips. <laughs> Fultz was as good as he was in college. I think Embiid might be stacking some rings now. He probably has no chance. That's a really defeatist view of the Sixers, and I'm I actually love Sixers fans, and I'm pro Sixers in general. But that's eh, the reality of the situation, Jason. It is. But yeah, yeah. Don't worry about Wendell. He'll be fine. He'll be good. I still think he did some nice things. It's like he's going to be an underrated. He Wendell. did have a he did have a dope ass block of Ben Simmons on a drive. I know so Simmons was complaining about uh, goaltending, but was not called and looked pretty clean to me. He. Tracked him as Simmons drive and just packed the shit out of it. Out basically almost out of bounds. It was that, was awesome blocks. that was that was sick. So that was good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And just in general, it's, it's also going to be tough with Wendell because the Bulls defense is so bad where it's like, even if like Wendell's like a good defender, like someone that they need to like, whatever, be their like anchor protector. It's, it's such a huge responsibility on a young player like that. Like when the, when the perimeter defense is just complete shit show, like, Obviously, like your nineteen-year-old big man is also going to look terrible. So, like, it's he's he's basically in an impossible position to try to cover for shitty perimeter defense while also learning how to play NBA defense himself. Like, it's this is a tough spot to be in. With that being said, you're going to take some lumps, especially against the best damn true yeah. center in the league. So, yeah. 
Uh, I'm glad Wendell Carter is out there, even though he got his lunch money stolen by Joel Embiid. That's fine. It's going to yeah. happen. We don't it's, care. Hey, Wendell, you're going to get him over these next few games. I hope because the bowl schedule gets a lot lighter. Uh, after this. I guess we could look ahead to the upcoming schedule in a minute. One more thing to say about this game before we look yeah. ahead. What did you think about Chandler Hutchison not coming in until the very end of garbage time and the kind of the rotation they had? Blakeney played 30 minutes. Obviously, without Chris Dunn, they tried to go for more like ball handling with Blakeney, Blakeney and Archie Diakono, but Hutchison seems to be out of the rotation, and this is with Denzel Valentine not playing. I thought that was interesting and not promising at all. Totally him. agree with you. I was going to bring that up as well. Uh, cause you know, he was drafted in part because he was quote unquote ready. NBA ready being a four. And they promised him. Before. They said they, they, they said they didn't promise him. They obviously promised him. Like clearly that happened. Yeah. Hoiberg's pretty smart though. I think cause he knew Jabari sucks when his bosses didn't. He knew that Carter should start from day one when, you know, who knows what the front office thought of Wendell Carter and if they think that he should have started over Lopez. I'm being really hard by saying that. That's my... <laughs> Least fair criticism, for sure. Uh, but I do think Hoiberg gets it because of those few moves. So it's like, maybe Hutchison blows. And I mean, I he, was, say- he was very bad in preseason. Like, I totally understand if he's just, like, not – he's just not it or doesn't have it yet. Because he was looked terrible in pre- – I, I said that he kind of looked like Tony Snell as in a guy where he plays, like, five, six minutes, and you have no idea that he's on the court. And that's kind of what I – the vibe I got of Hutchison in preseason – I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but clearly he's not impressing because he did not get in until the last, whatever, two, three minutes of today in in a game that was not competitive for basically an entire half. So I feel like that's not a good sign for Hutchinson, and especially with Denzel out. So because that's one of your key wing guys. I think the Bulls missed Denzel today, even though Denzel's just a decent role player. Like the fact that Hutchinson couldn't get any minutes with Denzel out as well, and the fact with the score where it was is. Not a great sign for him. Uh, I cover the draft for SB Nation. I feel like his archetype of player, like the four-year tall college wing who takes a while to basically come into his own uh, and isn't on NBA radars until he gets, you know, in the later years of his college career, that guy busts every single time. Like, I'm thinking Justin Jackson, who won a national title. Oh, he's been been bad with the Kings, I feel like. He came out after his junior year, but... Yeah, he's bad. I'm thinking Doug McDermott, kind of. Uh, what about Kuzma? Wouldn't you? Would Kuzma fall into this? Did he come out after his junior year, or was I, he a sophomore? I think that he was like a redshirt freshman oh. out after his either sophomore or junior. I don't remember. That's a good point, though. I mean, Jimmy Butler, of course, was a was a four year guy, but like Jimmy that, Butler's an incredible outlier. He's an outlier in every sense, absolutely. Uh, I just feel like that that archetype of guys. Like, how much do you want to bet that Hodgson was a gar guy? Could, can we bet on this right now? We'll probably never know. In my mind, Hutchison was a gar guy, 100%. I, w- I mean, it would not surprise me. And the Bulls, we've made fun. I feel like we've made fun of the Bulls for having that, like, love of whatever. At, obviously, the last couple of years, they've drafted one-and-done guys. But, like, before that, I feel like we, especially with the McDermott thing that we had. And I think Tony Snell was definitely a guard guy as well, even though he wasn't like a four-year guy. But I feel like Our guy. Mexico was a guard was gar guy. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess it wouldn't surprise me. I, I mean, they talked they apparently they loved him enough to to promise him before anybody else, even though and from all the reports out there, like said he was a decent player, but like to make a promise to a guy that was 
almost certainly going to be there when it was. Like, I, I, again, I don't want to totally just know whose agency is Jason. Yeah, it's, it's Bartles. It was Bartleson's his agent, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, Party Sports. Yeah. So like, I mean, I don't want to completely give up on the guy. It's been one game, five preseason games, whatever. Like, but when you're like 22 years old and like you make a promise to a guy, like, I kind of figured he'd be in the rotation tonight and doing not necessarily doing anything, but like to be basically out of the rotation is just not good. It's not great. Very true. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? No, I guess we could we could do a quick look ahead for the next couple games before quick we finish look up ahead. here. Uh, so from here, the Bulls go home against Detroit. Detroit's the home opener. Home it's opener against game. I mean, the Pistons, I don't know what to think of the Pistons. Like, they have obviously have a lot of talent with, uh, what, they got Blake, they got Blake, Rex, Drummond. They got no guards. I, I think Drummond's taking threes now. I gotta look. God, really? I'm pretty sure he took at least one three. They, the Pistons barely beat the Nets at home. In that's their impressive. Third. Game. Uh, let's see. Drummond took three three pointers. Actually, wow. he did put up twenty four and twenty. So I mean, that's big numbers. He was a minus nine, too, dude. I feel like he gets thirty rebounds against the Bulls every time they play. Does yeah, for sure. That's another uh, tough matchup for Carter too. That is tough. He just just he's just so large, just a giant man, goddamn monster. Yeah. So like I mean, the I, the Pistons, the Pistons are gonna be a team that. Probably going to be, like, on the fringe of the playoffs. Probably, like, high 30s, low 40s, maybe, like, 8th seed. Like their talents, they're, like, Blake, Blake Griffin, I feel like, is is just in a really weird spot now. Because Blake used to be the shit. He used to be awesome. He's had so many injuries. And I feel like he's just kind of fallen off the radar now, especially now that he's in Detroit. Like, I don't even know what to think about Blake Griffin anymore. Yeah, his numbers were pretty good from that opening game, but the one thing everyone's going to remember is him yeah. getting denied at the rim. Yeah. Yeah. Was Jared Allen? Yeah, Jared Allen is good. Followed him up really, here. really nice young player. Yeah. Uh, and then the Bulls go to Dallas on Monday. Luka Mania running wild. That'll be fun. <laughs> Did you watch Suns Mavericks? I watched a little bit. I passed out on the couch watching. <laughs> I actually made it through the entire thing, and... Devin Booker was out of his fucking mind, but I, Luca, I've, I know you're. I know you're a big fan of Luca. I did, he's he looks fat. Was, he's fat. He, he, yes, uh, I've listened to the Ringer. Uh, Jason Concepcion and Mally Rubin, their binge mode NBA preview. And they called they called him uh, their their European thick boy. And like, I watched the game yesterday, and I couldn't get it out of my head. He looks fat. He looks slow. He had some really nice. He started really nice. I feel like he's just he just needs to get in shape. He's just too doughy, and and he's whatever. He's young. He's playing in Europe. Probably not getting the best best uh, training. Like I feel like he just needs to really get in shape. He's a really fun player, but I saw him airball like a three pointer by three feet in the fourth quarter. I feel like he just kind of ran out of gas after his really nice start. And I don't know the the Bulls. In terms of like playing whatever Pistons and then Dallas, I think Dallas is not any good. That's like a, that's a winnable game for them. We'll see if Harrison Barnes is back by then. I know he missed he missed the first game. And then you mentioned like the the Bulls. It's like opening stretcher for them is decently winnable. I guess if you think that Charlotte after that after yeah, that and Charlotte home and home with Charlotte. Yeah, like Charlotte's like Kemba's awesome. They they played Malik the Monk. Game. It's the year of Malik Monk. I was. 
He went pleasantly, half the first I was game. pleasantly surprised by Malik Monk because Malik Monk was completely garbage last year as a rookie. Just never found it. He was when he played, he was bad. He barely played when he played. He was bad. Uh, but he was really he was awesome in this first game against the Bucks, and they charged back. They were down by like twenty at one point, and then came back and had a chance to win. Kemba missed a tough layup, and then Nick Batum missed the wide open three by like five feet. Just tough. But I mean, I don't even know what to think about. The Hornets are kind of in the same boat as the Pistons. Like, could their coach yeah. be good? Who? They got a first year coach. I'm blaming oh, that name. I mean, he's off the Spurs. He's like, he's off the Spurs tree, and it. Yeah. Seems like they could. Like, I feel like they're a team that could be fun because Kemba's fun, and if, and if Monk is good, like, and they also have like Batum is still like a decent player and. Marvin Williams is all right. They were playing Willie Hernan Gomez down the stretch. Like, I was kind of befuddled by that, but was, that was kind of fun, too. Like, maybe maybe they'll be all right. Like, the, I feel like they're a similar boat to the Pistons, where, like, right. a possible, possible, possible eight seed in the East. But also, <laughs> but also a team the Bulls could beat if they play well. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, this, this first stretch here is teams. If the Bulls lose these games, obviously, without Lowry, it's tough. Hopefully, don't be back. But if the Bulls lose these games, I feel like that's probably a precursor to an absolutely okay. terrible season. Yeah. I mean, they should beat Atlanta on the 20th. Oh, God. Atlanta looks like it's going to be awful. They're terrible. They're Trey Young might, is, as, like, he could be fun, but like as a rookie, he's going to be awful. John, I know John Collins is hurt right now, but just, just the whole talent level on that team is not good. Like, can't phase more. Torian Prince. I think Alex Len is their starting center now. Like that's that's a terrible fucking team. Terrible trash team. Yeah, uh, absolute trash garbage. Absolute garbage. And then I think after that, they play the Warriors pretty soon, which will I think just be an absolute. absolute the twenty nine. That'll that'll be fucking funny. I hope the Warriors start Jordan Bell again. That would be yeah, fun. no, yeah, yeah. The, the Warriors the Warriors bench is really bad. Could the it Warriors is. It bench- is not- I watched the Bulls starters just because of their level of coaching. Like, I'm not totally putting this off the table, but that bench sucks. <laughs> I watched I watched the game against the Thunder, and, like, Livingston and – first of all, Andre Godal is basically – he his he takes the entire year just basically to use it as an entire warm-up for the playoffs. He does not give a shit about the regular season. Livingston is basically washed – it's Lo- Looney and Damian Jones. Like, Damian Jones is their starter at center. Looney actually was pretty good, but, like, there's, like, no shooting there. They have Jonas Jurebko as, like, their 12th man, or Jonas Jurebko, whatever. I think he said that's how you pronounce it. They're the, the, yeah, I don't I don't know, but it's not good. Not good. Uh, you got anything else you want to talk about, or should we? I think, I think, I think, that's, I think that's about it at this point. The, obviously, the Bulls game was, was terrible. I don't want to completely trash them after one game against a really good team. Like, like I said, we, like, as we said, the uh, – Coming week or two, they have chances to win games. They will have opportunities against fellow trash teams to win games. And if they don't, well, you maybe start the tank with and without Lori Lowry. It's tough, tough to totally judge the team, but hopefully with Dunn back, they'll look a little better because Cameron Payne is awful. And yeah, I get, I, I guess we'll see. This is not the best game to judge the team as a whole at all because just completely outclassed, but. We'll see in the next couple weeks. On a personal level, I wrote my bowl season preview. Dude, I actually I did want to ask you about this because I feel like you do you completely just scorched earth on them. The Bulls they have no hope, no plan. Please do like just finish this pod. Just kind of just defending your position on that. 
why they have no hope. No, I'm not going to defend my position. I mean, the hope they have is Carter. But, I mean, the thing is that, like, uh, it's still the same people in charge. Like, these idiots paid Jabari Parker $20 million to play small forward. They paid Dwayne Wade, what, $36 million for one year and signed him with Rajon Rondo when they said they wanted to get younger and more athletic and put shooting around Jimmy Butler. Like, they just make the same mistakes over and over. They never learn from their mistakes, so... As long and as the same people are in charge, I have no faith that Michael they're Reinsdorf thinks they're doing a good job, though. Rebuild. Uh, Carter's going to be really good, and I do like marketing. Great front court, but you know everyone else, I think, is still question mark. We'll see. We like, we like Levine. We we've come on. We've that we like Levine at least somewhat. Right? Yeah, we like Levine. I'm pro Levine. I've, yeah. I've been a Levine guy since he was backing up Bryce Alford at UCLA. Yeah. I'm a long time Levine guy, but it's like I just, I mean. Fuck, dude, they need like a real high pick in this next draft, and they need that guy to be a stud. Like, yeah, I was again, I was talking RJ Barrett, Zion Williamson, Nas Little. It's gonna be one of those four guys. I was, yeah, I was again talking my friend Chris, who hates you. Uh, (laughs) it's very clear they need they need a stud wing, just clearly. They got their front court, Wendell and Lowry, Levine as a two. Seems like even if he's just a score, good. I'm not sure about Chris Dunn yet, but we'll figure that out. At worst, he's at least a good defender. They need a legitimate stud two-way wing. So if yeah. if they can get that in this draft, or if they somehow sign a stud free agent, I don't know who they would sign. That I mean, I've was kind of hoping maybe if Chris Middleton, but that and that's a whole other conversa- conversation. Obviously, they're not getting KD, Kawhi, Clay. That's all completely out of the question next summer. I was so I was thinking Middleton, but they need a stud on the wing. Two way wing that we're gonna be talking about this all year. It's the first fucking game. We're gonna be talking about this all year. But what they actually need is like an offensive initiator. Like someone who can like Donovan Mitchell's not a point guard, but or Ben Simmons isn't a point guard or James Harden isn't really a point guard. But there's sort of been that new position created, which is offensive initiator. Like, I guess you balls take well, That's what they need. Even if they Maybe like that, but I don't know. I don't know. It, would you say, can Levine do that? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Perhaps, but I don't know if he's like, he's, he doesn't see the floor well enough right. to be yeah, the lead offensive initiator on a really good team. I mean, they could, you know, get in the playoffs with him in that role. But if you're going to be, like, really good, yeah. maybe you need R.J. Barrett or Cam Radish or Zion Williamson to do that. Yeah. Anyways, we're talking about the draft after the first game. After the first game. <laughs> really brutal. And it only brings to mind one thing for me, Jason. What's that? Alright, for Jason, I'm Ricky. This has been Cash Considerations. We should say the name of the podcast. You should. I feel like I, I was thinking about that. We didn't actually say that at the beginning of this podcast. I was too sad to say the name, Jason. That's fair. That's totally fair. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, uh, If you listen to this, thank you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.